Good morning, family. You're loved. I'm Ken. And I want you to know that whether you're black, white, brown, a Democrat, or a Republican, whether you're married or you're divorced, whether you're widowed or single, whether you're a man or a woman, or whether that's complicated for you, whether you're same-sex attracted or opposite-sex attracted, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're born here in the United States or you're an immigrant, this is a place you will be loved. Because you are made in the image of God, and he loves you. In our country right now, many churches say they are affirming. Friends, I don't even know what that means. I, I, I don't, honestly. So today, here's what I affirm. Every one of you has committed adultery against your creator, and so have I. I affirm that. I also affirm I have no higher high moral ground to stand on, and neither do you. And all we can do is humbly admit our weaknesses, admit to our own adultery, and follow Jesus out of it. You know, my parents were divorced when I was five years old. Um, my dad left my mom for another woman. Um, my mom was now no longer to re- able to receive communion in her church at a time where she needed the church the most. Um, Kathy, my wife's father, left her mother when she was 16 for a friend in the church. Kathy and I lived together for years before we got married, and we've suffered a lot of unnecessary pain in our marriage because of it. I've had two emotional affairs, one before becoming a believer, before having our children, and and one very shortly before planting crosswinds. I've been blessed by a God who loves me, that I've been married for 37 years to Kathy Grace Schultz. I've been blessed because I saw my error and repented and and admitted my sin to Kathy and other Christian men who loved me and held me accountable to my marriage. Friends, when when I had fallen or failed as a believer, I was miserable, and I I cried out to God, it's against you only, God, that I have sinned. And, and And I said to God and prayed to God for days these words in in Psalm 51 create in me a clean heart O God renew a right spirit within me cast me not away from your presence or take your holy spirit from me and I, I felt during that time like the holy spirit had left me and I said to him restore the joy 
of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. And then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. And the friends, God has allowed me to do that for the latter part of my life now for the last 18 years. In this church with many men, helping them out of a trap and, 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 and with boys and men in Africa, thousands of them that, you know, that got to speak on this subject. And I've been able to enjoy the good thing that God gave me, the grace of my beautiful wife, Kathy Grace Schultz. Friends, marriage is hard. Marriage is hard. Being being. Being single is hard. Can I get an amen? amen? Right? Divorce, divorce can be devastating. You know, I, I, I preached a few weeks ago and then touched on verse 18, but I, I knew right at that moment I preached that God has so much more for me to say on that verse, and for the last couple weeks I've just been consumed with this topic in my head. Friends, this... The, the, the verse, and, and I don't remember if I even started on it. I think it went launched right into it, but this is the verse I'm preaching today. It's one, one or two verses. It says, it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. Everyone who divorces his wife and um, marries another commits adultery. And he who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. Divorces. Devastating. That verse is confusing. In Luke, it just seems misplaced. We're talking about men and, and, and women justifying their sin, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's like mic drop. That verse just pops in there, and it, it seems out of context. Often people feel condemned by that verse. But Jesus, he, he did not give us a verse to condemn us. He gave us a verse to free us, to free you. Our topic today is God's design for marriage and divorce. And, and I usually preach from a manuscript where I have every word written out. I can't do that today. God's told me no. I have to speak from my heart, but the reason I work from a manuscript is I so love God's word, I don't ever want to say the wrong thing that would hurt anybody or um, disgrace my Lord. So if I, if I make a mistake today, know that I'm not a perfect man. You've already heard that. And I'm not here to judge you. I have no higher moral ground than anybody anywhere. It's a painful topic. There are many in this room who have deep wounds because of either their own divorce or, or, or they were children of divorce. There are many people that have deep wounds in here because of their own sexual immorality and, and other people's sexual immorality and adultery. You know, 28 members here, as, as I look at your faces and I think about your faces have been through a divorce. 20, 28 couples or, or, or people, individuals, have been through a divorce. 51 of them have been children or, 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 or victims of it. And that's only what I'm aware of, because I, I don't know everybody's story in, in full detail. 
And, and friends, I, I want to say to you today that God hates divorce. But I also want to say to you that God loves divorced people. He, he hates it because it hurts what, what he loves, you and me. Healing comes when you admit your, your sin and your brokenness and, and, and turn and follow Jesus. And, and today, we're going to take the reins off and we're going to look at God's word for marriage and divorce. And, and I, I, I do want you to recognize that I'm going to equally step on everybody's toes here and I'm a big guy. Right? There's no targeting. Some today may say that's an evil man for saying the things that he's going to say. That's your right to say that. And, and, and I believe someday I, I, I will go to jail for saying what I'm about to say to you today. I don't care. I'm saying it because I love you. Someone that affirms you in your sin does not love you. Sinners have always objected to God's design for marriage and divorce. The word again, let's look at it, it says, but it, what Jesus said here says, but it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and he who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. What is Jesus really saying here? He's giving the gospel. He, he's saying God has a design. In verse 17, if you go back and look at it, it says that God's design does not change. Culture and, and circumstances are all different. But the design is the same. Human laws change, but the design is the same. And, and when Jesus is speaking of the law here, he is speaking of the entirety of God's word, which is what we're talking about today. We're, we're talking about his theology. And it, the word of God, we believe says that all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work, 2 Timothy 3.16. You know, when America adopted no-fault divorce laws, God's de design, friends, did not change. When, when America made same-sex legal, God's deny, design did not change. When men and women in their pride became gender fluid, God's design did not change. You may think this is hateful speech. No, it's just truth. It's like one plus one equals two. From the beginning, God created you, and, and his design was to love you and to do what is best for you no matter who you're attracted to. Even when you don't think or feel like it is. 
I, I have no condemnation for same-sex attractive people because we all share the same root problem. I, I, I grew up in the entertainment business. There are a lot of same-sex attracted people in that business. I, I've lived with people that, that were same-sex attracted. I've, I've cried with people over their relationships with same-sex attracted people. I've, I've, I, I, I've had friends that, 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 that are in that lifestyle. I don't condemn them. They're friends. They're colleagues. Sexually immoral people are the ones that commit adultery against God. And every one of us does. Every one of us does. Every one of us departs from God's design and and ends up in brokenness, right? And, And when we depart, there's a hangover. Human hearts become broken. Families become broken. And frankly, society becomes broken. And I found myself being encouraged by what's happening to Budweiser. And then I got angry with myself. And I said, why are beer drinkers talking about this more than the church? Where are we? Why are we not standing up and standing for God's design? When men and women feel broken, it's because they've departed from God and, and they're, 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 they're looking for ways to, 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 to fix or to medicate that, that deep brokenness that they feel. They, and they do it by cohabitation. They, they do it through affairs. They, they do it through pornography. They, they do it by having sex with the same sex. They do it by divorce. And they do it through casual hookups. The word adultery in the Greek, biblically, is the word myopia. <laughs> May who all? That's as close as I'm going to get. And it means to have unlawful intercourse with another person's spouse. But the word is also a Hebrew idiom for being drawn into adultery. See, friends, the human body is, is the apex of God's creation, both male and female. And, it, and friends, it becomes for us a powerful idol, a powerful idol that, that can draw us away from God. And, and when we start departing from God's design for marriage, it's ultimately idolatry. Worshiping another God. And friends, this, this breaks up marriages. This doesn't create what God has declared good. And, and friends, it doesn't have to be sexual pleasure. It doesn't have to be sexual pleasure that um, leads to divorce. It's really that idolatrous, it's that, that coveting heart, it, it, you know, that we're kind of even think of coveting, we, we're coveting more, and if you think about the fall, what happened is, did God's word really say that, and we coveted more? And isn't that what we do as a, a culture with about everything? We, there, there are other modern idols we have that lead to divorce. There's a slide, if you could show it, it's a pie chart. 
Top five reasons for divorce I found on some lawyer's website. One idol is money, and Jesus has been talking about that. 22% of marriages fail because of money. You know, infidelity, we've just been talking about that as another idol, you know, that sexual idol, and, and that, that kills marriages. Communication, and I was surprised at this, is 1.2%. Communication issues, I think that's probably greater because we look at the next. Uh, oh, and then there's violence, domestic violence. And addiction, it's 5.8%. And, and, and the biggest pie chart is a lack of commitment or incompatibility. Lack of commitment. Apathy. Apathy about God's design for marriage. You're not understanding God's design for marriage. And... and, and Understanding that we're different. I think that's why that communication thing fits in there. And that's, that's hard to communication. We think it's easy, but it, but, it, but it can be really, really hard to communicate. Money is this huge cultural idol. Sex is another. Communication, you know, in the way we think about it, that it's always romantic and wonderful, could, could be, um, be part of the idol. Domestic violence could be that we idolize our own self and our own opinion to the point that we're willing to damage others. It's selfishness or narcissism that, that, that creates domestic violence. Worshiping ourselves. The largest is that commitment or apathy to be committed. When we choose to chase Idols of a job, of, of friends, of popularity, of, of romance, of, of entertainment, or substances. All those things that might give us some temporary pleasure. We, we, we start to destroy God's design for marriage. See, because every marriage fails because of adultery. You may say, I, I've never had an affair. My marriage did not end because of adultery. Jesus says, you have heard it was said, you should not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. When we start to covet other things more than our spouse, when we start to covet other things more than, than God's design for marriage, we've departed from him. Uh, the lust of our hearts is, creates this departure from God. We, if you think more of your 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 job or your mother-in-law or your father-in-law or your kids or your secretary or your pool boy or your bank account or your fantasy life in media or porn, all these adulteries will lead to divorce. Because these are the ways we try to fix our lives ourselves and meet our own needs and, and we depart from God into sex and into work and into shopping and kids' activities and drugs and alcohol and food and religion and self-improvement and all those paths lead to more brokenness and divorce in our marriages. And, and not all those idols are, are bad things in themselves. But when a, a good thing, even a good thing, becomes our, our God or our idol, it becomes sin and destroys God's design for marriage. If, if marriage is God's design, then got a purpose right what 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 is that purpose the world will tell you it's about 
your happiness. The, the world will tell you it's about your financial security. The, the word will tell you it's about your safety and security. The, the, the world right now is telling you it's about your sexual fulfillment in life. Because that's the biggest cultural God we have. But what if those, none of those things, what if none of those things are, are God's design for it? What, what if none of those things are, are God's actual design for marriage? What if all those things are just idols or functional saviors that we all chase into marriage? I've had a good marriage for 37 years. Friends, it's not always been happy. And, and friends, it's, it's, it's not always been financially secure. And, and, and frankly, it didn't always feel emotionally safe. And, 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 and honestly, it's not always sexually fulfilling. On my part, not yours, honey. <laughs> <laughs> but it's accomplishing God's design of making Kathy and I better. At times, we've had all those wonderful blessings in our marriages, in our marriage. The design or purpose of marriage, friends, is about your holiness, not your happiness. Don't believe the rom-coms on Netflix. Right? They're just going to mess you up. Because they're going to give you the wrong goal for what marriage is. <laughs> Cultural marriage is about how rom much romance we have or how fulfilled sexually we have. We, we need to find our soulmate and live happily ever after. That's Disney. <laughs> friends marriages should have some romance but if, if you're looking for your spouse to complete you you have the wrong goal for your spouse marriage is a tool that completes us this unfinished work he he builds us through marriage biblical marriage in, 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 into people who learn to love like him. Love is not love. Friends, sex is not love. The Bible says what defines love is, is not literature or, or Hollywood, is, is that God is love. God's design for marriage is to be a mirror. It's to be a mirror. A mirror that you have to look into every day. And if you do it correctly, you'll find out how selfish you really are and you'll start to repent. I don't think we're going to make a rom-com with that theme. But <laughs> that is the truth. Looking, and then we have to look to him for the power and the strength to love a sinner. See, that's why it makes us like Christ, right? My wife's going, uh-huh, amen. See, you, you, may, you may be looking for Mr. Right, but you're going to marry either Mr. or Mrs. Wrong 
<laughs> because you're a sinner and you're marrying a sinner. An imperfect person. And, and because of that, it's sometimes going to be really, really hard to love them. Can I get a amen out there? Amen. See how the women did that louder? <laughs> <laughs> Biblical marriage is God's design for discipling you in love. Romance is, and dating, you clean up, you look nice, you look your best, and you fool people about who you really are. Right? Marriage gets real. You find out who you really are. And for some of us, that's not really that pretty. Lots of marriages, and not because they don't find Mr. Right or Mrs. or Mr. or Mrs. Right, it's, it's because they discover that they're wrong. And they don't want to face that. And, and, and they're broken by that. And that, that drives them into idolatry instead of repenting. See, but we turn to God, we we, we get a new heart and, and, and one that loves. In any marriage, you bring about 50% of the problems to it. In, in my case, it was 95%. And, and my struggles with myself showed me I needed God. I needed his help to change me. I needed a new heart that knew how to better love this wife he had given me as his grace. Here's the reality. If I had fulfilled my lust and, 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 and went towards another woman, I would have still had 95% of my problems going with me. That's true. That's true of you too. And, and I, I would desire, and I would, I, I, I would um, discover that that next woman was Mrs. Wrong again. You know, I, I knew a man who had a good wife and mother of his children. He divorced her because she was crazy. And then he, he married another woman, and then he divorced her because she was crazy. And he's with the third one right now, and I assume she's soon going to be crazy. Because he's driving them crazy. Because he's not facing his own issues. He's not loving them the way God or Jesus Christ says by design. God, God's design for marriage is we grow through this commitment we make to one fleshness to love another person, even when it's hard. I, I, I would not be a pastor today if, if my marriage had not taught me to love sinners in their sin and, and receive his grace for the power to do that when both they and I sin. Friends, I, I can't think of anything more essential to my ministry as a pastor. Something I'm more passionate about is holding marriages together and helping people in this area. If, if you need help right now, call me. Call me privately. If you misunderstand what I say, call me and let, let's talk and, and let's understand what God is saying to you in all of this.
Friends, often sinners don't make those calls. Often sinners do not repent. And friends, that is God's design for divorce. He allows it. He hates it, but he loves you. And, and so if you've gone through a divorce, you're not a second-class citizen here in this church. You're not a second-class citizen in this world. You're, 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 you're a first-class citizen in God's kingdom if you're following him. He, he loves you. The problem with Luke 16, 18 is not that it's not true, but it's not complete. And and there are some that stay stuck in dangerous marriages when they only look at that verse. And and, and so scripture interprets scripture, not the world. We we need to look to other scriptures and and, and try to find it. And so there's another conversation in Matthew chapter 19, or uh, Luke, uh, yeah, Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse 3. And it says the Pharisees, and I think this is, Kind of, the Pharisees are always there to test Jesus, and, and so maybe just blurted it out because he, 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 the test was happening in, that, in Luke, I'm not sure, but here in Matthew we see it happening, and they come up and they, they ask, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Is it lawful? And as religious men are asking a question you all might ask, what's the legal way to get out of this thing? We, the legal way to get out of God's design for marriage if I'm not happy, can I get out? If I'm not success, success, sexually fulfilled, can I get out? If I want to have sex with the, the same sex, can I get out? If my husband's not a good leader, can, can I get out? If my wife is crazy, I, I mean, can't I get out? What's, what's lawful, God? What's lawful? And the problem with Pharisees then and, and the problem with Pharisees today is they're asking the question, what's legal? What's legal? See, one of the Pharisees' idols in their culture was to look holier than thou on the outside. But they were also secretly sexually immoral on the inside. They were idolizing or coveting their happiness and their fulfillment in life. And there, there were two schools among their rabbis. There was a school of Shammai, the conservatives, And they said the divorce was only for adultery. And then there was Hillel, the more popular, the one everybody liked, the liberal one. And Hillel interpreted God's law to give everybody, or not everybody, <laughs> to give men a no-fault divorce. If your wife burned your bagel, you could divorce her. Hand her a piece of paper and send her on her way. If she was not as pretty as the other girl you're looking at, Hand her a piece of paper and send her on her way. If she talked back to you too much, just give her a piece of paper, send her on her way. You could divorce her, and it was legal, except for the woman. In their culture, only the man could do that. The woman was stuck. And, and, and this was based on Deuteronomy Chapter 24, starting verse 1, it says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, and if he finds no favor in his eyes because he has found 
some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house. She departs out of his house, and if, and if she goes and becomes another man's wife, the, the latter man hates her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house. That, or if a latter man dies and, and took her to be his wife and then her former husband who sent her away might, may not take her to be his wife, then after she has been defiled, after, after she has been defiled for that as an abomination before the Lord, you shall not bring the sins upon the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. That, that sounds really complicated, but women, it's actually protecting of you, not the man. See, because the men all focused on no favor. That girl has no favor in my eyes. I'm not happy, right? But the God is talking here as Jesus is talking about indecency, sexual immorality, indecency in her. And what he's saying is you can't just pass this woman around and then have her come back to you. You can't be sexually immoral with this woman. She needs to be cared for because a woman in that time had no option for her financial security but a man. And so he's trying to, I believe, keep a woman from being passed around and abused. He's saying there is a reason for divorce, but, but you can't do this. It, it, it was not about happiness. It, 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 it was about holiness. Am I losing the mic? He says, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let man not separate. Jesus corrects their sin of sexual immorality their, their error by stating God's design for marriage. Marriage so they could do what they want. But the conservatives wanted Jesus to be condemning of other people that are in sin. And Jesus just simply stated and held to what God's design was and has always been from the beginning. And friends, it ends our cultural arguments today. It, it was a mic drop that ended the cultural argument that they were having. He who created them decides what his design for marriage is, not man. Beloved, if you want to know God's design for marriage, look at Genesis chapter 2. There are principles there that will help you have a good marriage. If you follow them instead of romantically following the culture, looking for your sexual fulfillment as the number one thing. It's an idol. See, you have to leave your ideas from your culture. You leave your parents, you leave your friends, and you become one, something new that God creates. It's not about a, a, a country's law. It's about something new that God creates. You become one with your wife. God fuses two people together in marriage. It's not a legal issue. It's God's design for his world. 
And I'm sure right now in your mind, there's all kinds of things going on and you have questions and concerns about what I just said. And so did they. They said, why then did Moses command one to give a divorce, a, a certificate of divorce, and to send her away? They're saying, hey, hey, it's, it's legal, right? Moses, our lawgiver, commanded it. They, they were justifying their sexual immorality with women by God's very own law that was meant to protect families, to protect women and marriage. He, he said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wife, but from the beginning, it was not so. Do you hear that? Moses allowed it, but he did not command it. What was the allowance for? Their hard heart towards God because they wanted what they wanted and they were sinfully chasing an idol instead of living in God's design. And, and Jesus is clarifying the gospel to him. He's clarifying the real problem. And he says to him, I, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another is committing adultery or commits adultery. God allows for divorce to protect victims of your adultery. If you're not repentant. If you want not repent. Adultery in God's law carries the death penalty. But we always want to find a legal way out to do it. I know when I was tempted, I, I even looked through the Bible trying to find that loophole. David wives, can't I have multiple wives? You're looking for the loophole. That's what modern Pharisees are doing. They're, they're looking for a loophole. Adultery carries the death penalty. They all knew that. They would state that. Kill her. And so maybe you're getting away with it in, in your culture and in your courts, but in God's court, you're dead meat. Happiness, fulfillment, status with a prettier wife, practical circumstance or We're not the exception. Only a spouse's sexual immorality was. And friends, the, the Bible states that sexual immorality is any sex outside the bonds of God's design for marriage. In, in the Greek, it's the word pornea. And it's, it's a very broad word for sexual immorality. It includes adultery, pornography, homosexuality, lesbianism, intercourse with animals, adultery. I said that. I'm just reemphasizing. It says adultery and intercourse with relatives. All. It's very broad. It's when you depart from God's design into it that you will know brokenness. And, and friends, we don't feel the brokenness with sexual immorality sometimes. It, it, may, it may feel just great to you. you. You feel loved. Sin feels good. I know that. I've done it. Sin, sin feels great. Sex feels great in the moment outside the bonds 
of marriage. But friends, it has a hangover. Being drunk feels good until you throw up on yourself or you kill a kid while driving. And I understand from heroin addicts that heroin is an amazing high. One time, it will dis- can destroy your life. You get hooked on it and destroy your family and, and devastate you until you can't stop. You'll do anything for that feeling. The problem with sexual immorality is, is sometimes you can engage in it often and not feel the hangover for a while. Sometimes it's, it's very subtle. Maybe you don't even feel the hangover until after death when you end up in hell for all eternity because you have rejected God's word to us and did not repent. We are saved by believing God, not believing in God. Pastor Ken, you're wrong. You're a homophobe. You're a misogynist. You're you're old-fashioned. You don't understand modern life. I deserve to be happy. Sexuality is private. it's, it's, It's for my purposes. I already told you I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm sexually immoral, too. I'm wrong. I already told you I should be dead meat. These are not my words. These are words from your creator. He said, but it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot, one little comma of the law to become void. Some say, well, Leviticus is just ceremonial law. It doesn't apply to us today. Jesus here does not appeal to the Mosaic law. I want, I want you to pay attention. That. He doesn't appeal to Mosaic law. He said, in the beginning, this was God's design. Ken, you're being very legalistic. No, you're just trying to justify your sexual immorality. Pastor Ken, you're, you're judging me. No, I'm, I'm just telling you what Jesus said. I can't judge you. Jesus said, Whoever is without sin, throw the first stone. I am not without sin. I love you. I am trying to tell you how to avoid a millstone from causing one of his children that that you want to have sex with in their lust and your lust to be hurt. Stop trying to justify your behavior. That is being legal. Instead, repent. God loves you. He, He knows sex is a powerful idol. And, and you and others get hurt. He has a design for you where it's safe and good. He created divorce to protect those who are not safe. He allows it in the case of sexual immorality. He allows it, friends, in the case where you're verbally abused or physically abused. He allows it when you are abandoned by your spouse. There are other places in Scripture I'm not going to cover that say that, but that's God's design. He loves you, and he will deliver you from abuse that's meant to destroy you and his design for marriage. Casual sex is how we destroy ourselves. And, and, and friends, he tells us to flee from it, to, to run from it, not to embrace it or infer, affirm it. Sex is very personal for us all, but it's not private. It's the basis 
of our society. You're not just hurting yourself. The, the second relationship God made to bless everyone with was biblical marriage between a man and his wife. Our sexuality is not about same-sex attraction or opposite-sex attraction. That's not the issue. If it's outside the bonds of a biblical marriage, it's not God's design. If it's outside the bonds of biblical marriage, it's outside of God's design. It's sin. It's, it's sexual immorality. And friends, I, I told you I would step on everybody's toes, including my own. If you think about the larger picture of what this is saying. Jesus is saying all who justify their sins are dead meat eternally. But again, Jesus loves sexually immoral people like me and you. And the good news is the Bible says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But it also says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then it says in verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. No matter how good your arguments sound theologically. You who have been sexually immoral have been a victim of someone else's sexual immorality. And, and, and Jesus is not here today to condemn you. But friends, he's here to make you new. He lived a perfect life. He lived a perfect life in God's design for marriage as a, as a single man. He, he, he trusted in God's holy design for marriage, and he stayed pure. He's 33, stayed pure. He was tempted, the Bible says, just as you and I are, but he stayed free of this trap of sexual immorality. He showed us what real love was like. It was not sex. It was sacrifice. He died for you on a Roman cross to remove your sin and all of your shame for whether what you've done or what others have done to you. Three days later, he, he rose and walked out of the grave to prove to everybody that he had done it. And he did that because it was according to God's word. Because all of God's word said he was going to do it. And all of God's word is valid. And he washed you by his blood shed for you of all of your sin. And of all of your shame. He, he washed and he cleansed you. Like I cried out to wash me, cleanse me, make me new. And I, I will teach transgressors your ways. And he, he wants you to come and he wants you to follow him. He wants you to leave your cultural idols. He wants you to follow him. 
He loves you, and, and, and he's not here to, to condemn you. I'm not here to condemn you from your past. He wants to free you from it. But you can't just keep going back to it because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, and there's death there. Go to him. There's life. Culture is not your judge and jury. He is. And, and, and when he comes back as judge, he will say, to the thirsty, I will give from the springs of water without life, without payment. To the one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son or my daughter. But for the cowardly, for the faithless, for the detestable, for, for, for murderers, for sexually immoral, for sorcerers and for idolaters and all liars, their portion will be the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That's what his word says. Come to him now and live. He will fill your thirst. I know your longing. I know some of you ladies are longing for a husband and, and to feel safe and, and comforted in marriage. And some of you men are, are longing for a wife, someone to care for you and to, to, to be with you and to, to fill your loneliness. I, I know that you're longing, and you won't find it in sex. You'll find it in Jesus. Make Jesus your husband right now if you're single. Make Jesus your husband. Follow his design. Do it his way. Turn and believe in his design to love you and live fulfilled. Your spouse can't fulfill all your needs. Only Jesus can fulfill all your needs. Come to Jesus and be fulfilled and then love your spouse with the power that he gives you. He is your groom. In him, there is no hangover. In him, there's a perpetual wedding party. So the Bible says, Whatever your past sexual immorality is, it doesn't matter. If you come to him, it's forgiven. If you'll just come and confess your sin and put your love into him, he will take away your sin and your shame. You will be cleansed from all unrighteousness. If you'll get honest and say, I've been looking at all the wrong places. I've been flipping apps, and I've been doing different things to find my perfect man. And you're my perfect man. Come to him or perfect woman. Your identity is not in your sexuality. That's the old life. He's wanting to make you today into a new creation. A new creation. One without brokenness. One without hangover. One without pain. One that truly knows love. And God's Design for marriage is one of the biggest tools he uses us to disciple us in that direction. Stand up for marriage. Encourage those that are married biblically. Help those that are victims of divorce. Be compassionate to those that are, that are same-sex attracted and confused. Because that's who Jesus was. But he doesn't allow for sin. He doesn't allow for something that's outside of God's design for marriage. He loves you. I love you. I want what's best for you. I don't want some loser for you. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I want Jesus for you. You know, if you have Jesus with you, you can make that loser into a winner. That's what Kathy did. Right? 
This is a core issue of the gospel. Why don't we all stand? We'll have some praise team come on up. This conversation's not over. If you're confused by it, come see me. I understand. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to help you. Let's, let's, let's be a people that live by God's design. You know, there's, there's, I, 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 God has allowed me to, to, to marry a, a dozen people or so. Two have ended up, I think, well, in brokenness and separation and divorce, but the rest, you know, this can work. Marriage can be a wonderful thing. It's hard, but it's good. S- stand up for those married people. Don't separate them. Encourage them. God's design for marriage is for everybody. It's not heterosexuality or homosexuality. It's holy sexuality. Heterosexual people are just as immoral as homosexual people. It's all the same. We're all just not living by God's design. Today, let's repent. Let's let's turn and listen to his word. Let's believe in his word because that's how we're saved. And let's, let's move back to God's design. It's time to repent. Maybe you need to shed a few tears. Maybe you need to get really honest with God or somebody else right now about where you're struggling. Because that's healing. That's what the Bible says. I'll be up here to pray with you if, if, if now's your time to repent and come to Him. You may hate me for some of the things I've said, but I want you to know I love you. And I didn't say I'm Jesus did. He loves you a lot more than I do. Ten times, a thousand times, a million times more. Turn to him today and live. Don't take idols and die. He is the path to life. In him is abundant life. Even in a bad marriage, you can have abundant life. Even in a bad circumstances, you can have abundant life. You can have abundant joy in Jesus. If you're unsafe right now, get the help that you need. Get the counsel that you need. But turn to him. He wants to make you his bride. To make you spotless. To make you new. He wants to love you forever. He is your happily ever after. Sex goes away, friends. We're not given to marriage in heaven. We're married to him. Choose this day what you're going to serve. Serve Jesus and find life. Serve your needs and you might end up in eternal death. It's really pretty simple. What's easy is accepting his love. Come today just as you are. Turn from your sin. Turn from your shame. Turn from the things that people have done to you that have given you a false identity of who you are. You were made in the image of God and you're loved. Focus there. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. It's trustworthy and it's true. This is a hard message, Jesus, but a timely one. Thank you for being clear. Thank you for being honest with us because you love us. Father, I know 
for myself, I've been repenting. I know others in here may be repenting. And Father, I know you will receive them because of what your son has done. Father, let them not be afraid. Sin makes us afraid. Sin puts us in shame. Honesty with you and your church sets us free. Set captives free today, Jesus. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.